0: family, their seemingly loyal attorney devises a scheme to scam the wealthy family to convince Gomez Adams, played by Raul Julia, that his long-lost brother Fester, played by Christopher Lloyd, has been found. In reality, Fester and his mother are con artists that their lawyer is heavily indebted to. Getting to the riches in the family vault will prove to be difficult as his family is far from typical, and death and danger are purposefully in every corner. Screenplay by Carolyn Thompson and Larry Wilson directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, and released on November 22nd, 1991. Now I know that we've both seen this movie before. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I would say this movie is also partially responsible for the creation of this podcast. Because it was one of the ones that we watched during, you know, that pandemic viewing parties. Mm -hmm. And we happened, you know, you especially were noticing that hey, some of these movies that we're picking are from 1991 and there's this, this is like a really good year. Let's see what else is there. So, um, thank you, Adam's family, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I even have an email to myself from about three years ago about Adam's family trivia. Oh, really? Yeah, I sent myself an email okay
0: is it, is it going to be making an appearance later on no
1: we not it's just we might talk about it throughout okay but it's nothing like major
0: just stuff that you wanted to like remember about yeah. the movies trivia and whatnot um so yeah it was that one and then a couple other ones um this is i think the second to last top 10 box office budget movie that we have yet to watch. I think the only one that's still missing at this point is Silence of the Lambs. Okay. In terms of the top ten movies. So, we finally got around to all of them after 140 whatever episodes. 136. Know, 136 that we're on. Uh, <laughs> so, and there's so many more movies that we, yeah, could cover we're not. Um, anyway. This, I don't know. After we watched it at the during the viewing par- parties um i wrote my own review for it and i gave my my star rating for it and i think i'm still there uh this movie is something that's better for children but still holds up for adults
1: yeah
0: um a lot of the gags this is full of gags which is good but there's just not too many like laughs especially these days you know (laughs) I don't know. Like even when we were watching it the first time, you know, there were it's like, "Oh, that's really clever." Like a lot of the stuff that they they have in the screen. Like, it, that's really clever, but I'm not laughing at it.
1: That's yeah, that's how I felt when we watched it 3 years ago because I my one of my favorite movies is Adam's Family Values. I watched Adam's Family Values way more than this one. And I haven't seen this one Least, yeah. basically since it was released until like three years ago. So that was probably my second or third. This is probably my fourth time watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. But Adam's Family Values I would watch like all the time. So when watching the first one this movie three years ago, I was like, eh. but then, <laughs> but then watching this again, I was like, oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I think I was just like, this is not Anna's family values, so I don't give a shit. That's how I felt three years ago. But watching it now, I was like, no, this is actually good.
0: It is good. They're it's both just, you know, good. And I'm in that camp where I have not seen family values since it probably released in 93 so i don't really remember like anything of ams family values because i don't think i've seen it since release um the yeah i mean i'm not trying to say that this is a bad movie because it's definitely not i'm just saying it's like it's for you know grown adults who don't have the nostalgia and remember every single joke and still laugh at it because of the nostalgia um it's just not super funny but it's still really good. And I think a big reason for that is twofold. One is like the set design is amazing. Like the decorations and the props and everything that they do are incredibly well done. Yeah. And the environments are just spectacular all throughout with little details and you know, they're just adding little things, little touches. Um, And then the acting, like I'd say aside from the people who are meant to be exaggerated like let's say i'd say uncle fester christopher lloyd's performance is like the most over the top but it's because he's pretending to be somebody he's not yeah um and so he's like you know showing that through his through his acting whereas the rest of them like you got angelica houston as morticia you got raul julia as gomez and and you know the rest of the family as well like they are they have like gomez especially has bouts of like you know exuberance and and you know wide eyes and enthusiasm but generally speaking they play it extremely straight they're not hamming it up for the camera like they are you know this is their life and you know it's you need those strong actors to really make this thing come alive and it's also probably a big reason why i don't really want to watch any of the other movie reboots that have happened since that's like,
1: how I feel. That's why I, even though I heard Wednesday is good, like, I don't want to watch Wednesday because it's not Christina Ritchie. She is in it. I though. know she's in it, but yeah. it's like, but she's not Wednesday. That's true. And that's how I, that's kind of like how I get with certain actors or actresses. It's like when I, okay, like Kristen Bell. <laughs> Like, I refuse to watch other things that she's done after being Veronica
0: Mars. But you watch The Good Place, though.
1: I do like The Good Place, yeah. but I refuse to watch, like, Frozen or something like that. Mm.
0: Yeah, because, like, she's not detectiving in this. Yeah, it's like,
1: <laughs> she's not Veronica Mars. Yeah. I kind of felt the same way with Carrie Russell for a really long time Mm -hmm. like Felicity wouldn't do this (laughs) but that's kind of like how that's why I never watched the Americans because even though the Americans must be really good I'm like Felicity's not that but yeah that's how I feel with like these characters it's like yeah it's not so
0: much the actors in this case it's the characters you don't want them played by somebody else
1: even though I liked the 1960s TV show yes but everyone in that show is now gone?
0: Um John Aston may be alive. Yeah, still? I think John
1: Aston is the only one that's still alive. But yeah, everyone yeah, else is, is,
0: is has passed.
1: Has yeah, everyone has passed from that show.
0: But like like the, the TV show walked so this movie could run in terms of the performances like that was meant to be a goofy sitcom and it really accomplished what it was what it set out to do really well and um this one is just it just takes it to another level in terms of the acting they just they draw those inspirations and then they make it something more i don't know livable I think Christina Ricci is a perfect example of that, too. Like, this is, I don't know, it's not her first performance, of course. She was in, like, Mermaids before this, but, like, I don't know. It, but just Like, reading... all the little details yeah. that she puts into, like, her, like just subtle... Because she's so stoic. Mm-hmm. And just, like, little tiny, like, eyebrow movement. Or just, like, the the smallest squint of the eyes. Just, like, very much subtlety. Um And it's just... Uh, so,
1: yeah, some of the trivia that I did read when I emailed myself was that she came up with a lot of s- stuff, like the way she was sleeping, you know, crossing her yeah, arms. Yeah, crossing over. her arms
0: as if she was in a coffin or whatever, yeah. and then Or like a the, vampire.
1: Yeah, the idea of, even for the ending, where I read that Barry Sonnenfeld wanted the ambiguity of fester of still being like an imposter Mm. and it seemed as if christina ritchie was like no he's a part of the family now and everyone in the cast was sort of in agreement where it's like he fester well christopher lloyd is fester let's not make him gordon anymore right like make him full fester
0: yeah Yeah, because it's, it's pretty clear from the beginning that he is Fester, right? Like, you know, when you're first introduced to him as Gordon, when he has like the, the The mini hair, the The hair piece, the the hair piece, the curliness, um, he takes the lawyer Tully played by Dan Hedaya and flips him upside down with just the strength of his wrist. Mm -hmm. So like, that's not something a normal person can do. And the thing that this movie really shows is that the Adams family are not normal. They live within normal society, but they themselves have basically magic at their disposal in some way. Um, obviously, they can—they have a bunch of different creatures. They have like rugs that come to life. They have books that can like produce hurricanes and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like so, you know, they have hands that are just hands helping mm-hmm. out. So. Yeah, it makes sense that Fester could do this. Yeah. Uh, But Gordon should not be able to. Um, And then, you know, just other little things that happen throughout the movie where he definitely has flashes of what he has done in the past or knows how to react. The fact that he's really into helping the kids with the play and, like, he's really diving deep into the the gore and, like, the, the macabre side of things. Of course he's Fester. So... It definitely felt like a very rushed exposition at the end where it's like, oh, boy, that lightning strike really jogged your memory and turns out that blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, OK, I mean, we don't really need that explanation, but thanks, I guess. <laughs> I think, I don't know, the plot is, is handled well. Uh, I think there's a good progression on it too i also really like that they don't try to explain how these things are alive in their house or where all this money came from it's just
1: them yeah it's <laughs> like... just
0: it's just them they just exist and yeah that's, that's all you just really how need to are
1: know. but it's it's cool how when they have a party there's other people like them it's kind yeah. of like what we do in the shadows or something yeah pretty much
0: like well, yeah, what we do in the shadows is probably more like this, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's just, like, when they have a party, all of their people come together somehow.
0: Yeah. It shows, like, yes, they are spread out amongst the world, the Adams Family. Yeah, it's not just not them in anomaly, living in this but they normal, exist everything.
1: whatever world. It, like, it's just like a... They don't say specifically where they live. It's just like a any town USA right. <laughs> and these people are kind of like they're not exactly outcasted because people are including them in things. They're not like shunned away or people are kind of grossed out by them or anything. They're just like, yeah, that's just how they are. Yeah. Which I like.
0: Yeah, and for some reason, even with certain people don't get what they are like. the, yeah. the teacher.
1: Yeah, like, but she want they they're just concerned, <laughs> but and then I'm thinking of Margaret.
0: Yeah, Abigail Craven is is the mother. Okay. It's yeah, Gordon's yeah. mother, slash okay. Dr. Pinder Schloss.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah. So. But yeah, Margaret. Margaret, the she's kind of like the only one that's kind of grossed out by everything yeah but not in a I hate these people kind of way
0: no more like I'm kind of scared yeah it's different and I'm scared yeah but then she turns around of course yeah <laughs> at the end like yeah she, she's she, invited it's not to the not party. like these
1: people are demonizing them saying oh don't talk to them or anything because they're weird yeah She's just like these people are weird because I don't understand them or something and I'm a little scared because things come to life and that's not normal. Yeah.
0: But you know at at the party she dances with Cousin It who is just a big thing of hair. Yeah. Walking if you're not familiar with the Adnos family, you know, you don't have to be. Uh, it probably helps to a degree. Like if you if you have watched some of the show, it probably would have helped to understand this. But I mean, this is still you get it by the end. <laughs> if you if you didn't have any experience with Adams Family at all, you get it. Um, and so yeah, cousin it comes through. Doesn't speak any actual English, but everyone can understand cousin it. And you know they basically like hook up, and she leaves Tully, who's you know, see killed as part of that hurricane attack or whatever. I don't know they, make are it they seem like killed?
1: He's... The mom?
0: I mean, they're swept up in the hurricane along it's... with the bear rug that's alive. Um, but I don't know... I don't know.
1: Yeah, they don't show... They never show, like,
0: death in this. Yeah, like, they that's don't. That's the thing. Like, this that's, is... I mean,
1: this is a family movie. Yeah,
0: we're, yeah, the... <laughs> they're gone. They're, <laughs> they're gone. just...
1: Yeah, I don't know if they are in jail or they're just like okay you got me we're gone forever right it's like it doesn't give an actual ending to them but yeah. they don't
0: come or maybe the book transports them to a different location or something who knows
1: yeah or they're in the dungeon or something lost right. for forever
0: yeah that's the interesting thing about this movie I, I well another interesting thing about this movie is like this is not too far away from the whole satanic panic thing that we brought up a few different times and some of the like the true crime and whatever's yeah that have come up and like this is very much leaning into you know
1: like different and death we, and
0: destruction and, yeah. and not devil worship but you know obviously like creatures and monsters and the other world yeah non religion right um and here it is like this family friendly approach to that which you think would have been shunned, but instead it was extremely celebrated and made yeah. tons and tons of money. So it really just goes to show, like, the... I don't know, like... The presentation is everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and, you know, you have a really good starting point from Charles Adams's original drawings and, and comic strips or whatever. I don't know what to really call them. Like, were they books or were they comic strips? I don't remember how they were published originally, but... Um, the thing that inspired the 1960s tv show and then you have the 1960s tv show which was hokey goofy fun that kind of like brings it in there and then Mm. this is hokey goofy fun with you know really i don't know like it's and, and they don't show anything too disturbing the most disturbing thing is when they're doing the stage play the two kids are And they're doing, like, a sword battle, and they have all the blood effects, and they, like, you know, they slice the arm off and spraying the audience everywhere, which is, like, one of the best scenes in the movie. That's the only, like, bloody scene. That's the only time where any actual damage to a person, quote-unquote, is is seen, you know? So everything is, you know, it's not like a gore fest, because it's not actually... You don't see any ramifications. You don't see any people getting actually injured. So it's all innocent fun in that way. I don't really have a whole lot to talk about in terms of the plot, to be honest with you. Um I think it's again, it's, it it moves along pretty well. I don't I don't know how much we have to focus on it. I think the, the main thing is like they they do also a really good job of just sprinkling in those little gags in the middle of scenes, in the middle of conversations, just to kind of flesh everything out. Like you're having this dialogue between Morticia and the grandma, and then Wednesday comes in to get like a knife to torture her brother and, you know, they stop the exposition to give her a bigger knife. Right. Stuff like that is happening. It's like always keeping it moving, but also remember, here's the gag. Um, the gags do wear a little thin to me just because it is, it has to be samey. Unfortunately, it's basically like, it's the trope of saying something is like super gross and disturbing. And then the punchline is that they like it that way.
1: Yeah, th- how over sexualized Gomez and Morticia are. That's interesting is, to uh, see, yeah. Which it I was know in it's the in, too, in the show, too, though. I know it's in the show how they were all over each other, but in the movie. Like, watching this when I was younger, it didn't really... Like, I wasn't paying attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, what's Wednesday, Wednesday and Pugsley doing or something? Right. Or I, I liked Thing or whatever. Yeah. So, Just it's just funny how they get turned on when they speak, like, French or Italian. And um, when they say like you were a beast let, and you were unhinged like do it again mm-hmm. and when she's being tortured near the end when they when um abigail craven and dan hayata
0: Tully yep. Tully
1: take her or take morticia like kidnap her i guess just to get the code and how to get into the code to get into their vault because, you know, there's a certain way and Fester slash Gordon doesn't know it because you have to pull a certain chain, go -hmm. down a slide, and then, like, pick up a certain thing, and then the walls revolve around into, like, this giant room with gold everywhere and they... The first time that Fester is... In the house that's what Gomez takes him down to the vault but that, that was just to watch movies of them as when they were young it's right. just like Fester just happened upon it but when they take Morticia to get access to the vault she doesn't she's like I don't know and then they have her on this torture device where it's stretching her and she's like oh you've done this before like she's getting turned mm-hmm. on by being tortured and it's funny I mean I I get it now when I was younger I was like I'm not paying attention to this (laughs) even when they were at the auction for their own item that they put up for auction right the Chinese finger trap basically
0: yeah it's like this dragon finger trap that has a trick to it it's not like a normal finger trap you actually have to like press buttons on the top or something
1: Yeah, Margaret is... That's One of the first things when the movie begins is Margaret goes to Morticia saying, you know, this is for charity. Do you have, like, an item you want to give to charity or whatever Mm -hmm. for this auction? And that's when Morticia finds that finger trap. But when they do have the auction, they're just rebuying the thing that they put up for auction. And... The way they just go back and forth, turning each other on over that is funny, but they don't like, it just ends like they start making out, but then, you know, that scene ends. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They never take things too far yeah so th- yeah then it sort of cuts to them coming home and then like Fester is trapped in the finger trap and he doesn't know how to get it off and that's like one of Gomez's first clues like oh this might not actually be Fester. Fester Yeah. Cause... so like Wednesday is the the one who's the most skeptical of the whole thing whereas everyone is very accepting of his lack of knowledge or, or remembering yeah because
1: he came from the Bermuda Triangle and right. according to Wednesday she knows everything about it
0: yeah, and she's like, no one can escape the Bermuda Triangle. How did you get out? And so that's the first clue, and then at least that whole scene of, like, Gomez in the, the basement with his trains, like, really getting very angry and, like, frustrated about the whole thing, and everybody knows that when he's playing when with he's his trains... When he's on Then trains, he's angry. Then, then things, are, things are bad, and you have a little... Um, Cameo with the director there because he is the passenger on the train. So, like, that's another little, mm-hmm. I don't know, interesting thing where you see, like, this tiny person in a person who is actually in the model train passing by, seeing, like, Gomez's giant face uh, staring at him through the window maniacally. So, you know, this world is weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that, that's very Sonnenfeld uh, on the train. It, and then that never really goes too far either. Like, the, I think the train crashes, but it's again, like, off screen or something. I
1: don't yeah, we,
0: exactly. You never see anything, like, major. You hear it. Yeah. Or, like, when Pugsley's getting electrocuted, like, you know, you see her pull the lever and you see, like, a flash of light, but you don't see anything from Pugsley. Yeah, there Pugley's is. Even
1: the, the part where she's like, Wednesday is like, do you want to play a game? And she puts Pugsley in the electric chair and he's like what's the name of this game and she goes is there a god yeah
0: that's probably like the darkest joke yeah. in the entire thing i mean
1: that would be considered satanic panic right. for, yeah. for, for it's, the... it's a little surprising that that one
0: made it through yeah like
1: i was kind of like oh the parents were clutching their pearls when they heard <laughs> that i don't that's probably the most controversial part of the
0: movie uh yeah it but yeah, a lot of the jokes are that same type of thing where you know, it's, I don't know, it, it, it falls into like a couple categories, like that type of category, which is probably the better ones. And then the other ones where it's like, Oh, this is so gross and disturbing. I love it. And then the other one is like pretending to discipline your kid, but only because they're not going far enough with the danger. Mm-hmm. That's like the third side of things. And then it just repeats in different variations. Uh, I really love the interesting characters that they have sprinkled throughout, especially in the dance party. I think um, it's great that they don't have to spend a whole lot of time on that, and they just build this world by just showing you people in the background.
1: Or, yeah, when they stroll through the graveyard and talk about
0: yeah, just the, the their
1: family members. Right. And showing their gravestones and Morticia just saying what happened to them. Or even when, same with the teacher, Wednesday's teacher coming up to Morticia saying, I'm concerned about Wednesday because they had to do a hero for them and Wednesday did like a past family member of theirs that was a witch that like burned on the stake. Right. And Morticia's like, oh, well, I mean, that's our great aunt whoever. Mm -hmm. who is a witch that burned at the stake. So, and then the teacher's just like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah. That's, again, like the thing where the the town doesn't understand.
1: Yeah, they don't, they're just like, oh, we're kind of concerned. Right. But then Morticia's like, oh, but this is a family member of ours. And then it kind of like.
0: It's a great thing to aspire to, but I told her she can't be burned alive. She has to go to college. She has to go to college, yeah so yeah little things like that i also speaking of another movie that we watched that is of a similar vein but in a much different direction nothing but trouble i really liked you know speaking of the vault the funhouse aspect of this house Mm -hmm. and i think it was done a lot better here than it was there in nothing but trouble yeah Yeah. this is what nothing but trouble aspired to and didn't get there especially like the vault sequence where you have to go down this elevator and then like you said there's like a hundreds of chains and you have to pull the right one otherwise you get like sucked into this tube of water and spit out the outside of the house um and then like there's the dragon that you don't see uh and then you have like the the, the rowboat part to get to the thing and yeah yeah it's it's neat and there's you know little other little gags in there too
1: because when I was younger I was like how did Abigail Craven know about Fester?
0: Oh, yeah, she didn't. Okay, right. because... But when... how, how did she find Gordon? Like, at what age, I guess? But Well,
1: like... they explain near the end. She's like, yeah, I, I saw him washed up ashore, and I took him in as if he was my own son. Yeah, But it doesn't say, like, how long...
0: I mean, he would have been like preteen, I would assume, because some of the home movies showed him as like a ten-year-old kid, basically. Well, because
1: so, the, when they left, they, this or, was or like maybe a, it was
0: a teenager, because they said like, they had a big fight about like flora and fauna. That was twenty-five
1: right? years. So, it could have been within the twenty-ish years. <laughs>
0: right. So he was, yeah. It was assumed that he probably lost his memory sometime around then, and then got found by miss miss craven she's
1: a con artist so when i was younger i i thought she somehow knew that the adams family was rich
0: she knew from tully so tully is the family lawyer he is in debt because of i guess i don't know gambling or some other investments or something like that and he is indebted to abigail craven um, that's like, yeah, so she's begging for the money, and he's like, no, no, I c- I don't have your money, but I know a perfect way to do it. Your son is a perfect ringer for Fester. Uh huh. They're okay, doing this. Okay, so she didn't even know
1: that Fester was Fester, and the Adams family was looking for no Fester. <laughs> no, Tony totally brought like... the
0: plan to her, and said, you know, we'll we'll dress your son up as Fester. We'll get him to infiltrate the family and learn where the vault is and then he'll just steal the money while yeah that, And that
1: meanwhile, was the he was actually Fester.
0: And meanwhile, he along. was Fester, yeah. yeah. Like, the reason he was a dead ringer for Fester is because because he is he Fester. Is.
1: Yeah, when I was younger, I was like, how did she know that? And then, like, kept him... I thought it was, like, some sort of Stockholm Syndrome type of thing. Like, she mm-hmm. took him in and like groomed him to be like gordon gaslit
0: all the memories out of him type of thing yeah that's
1: how that's what i was thinking of to make because she's a con artist too and then to make him a con artist so they can con people together
0: but yeah no she's just a con artist and then gordon is the the muscle like kind of the the muscle yeah um Alright. So yeah, that's when yeah she comes in as Dr. Schloss to say, hey, I found this person and I've been trying to like coach him and blah, blah, blah. They get their comeuppance.
1: Right, and then he actually gets his memory... I think he starts... The second he gets his memory back is when he sees Wednesday and Pugsley training in the house for that talent show...
0: Yeah, and, at least to a degree he gets it back. He still doesn't seem like he fully knows because when um there's that part when they're all still trying to like do the vault and that's after the play. And I
1: think that's because And
0: he doesn't, you know, he doesn't remember. Well, what because
1: he he's now having fun with his family, but like at that point when he sees them practicing, he's like, "No, no, no, you got it all wrong." And then they start to He's like, let me show you how you should be doing this. Yeah. And they train, you know, separately. And then that's when Abigail comes back as Dr. Pinderschloss. And she's, like, asking him for an update about the money. And he's like, I'm having fun. She slaps him in the face. He's like, and then that's when she gets into the whole yeah, kind of gas guilt trip, gaslighting. Like, don't you care about your own mother? And then he feels bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because, he's supposed to so, stay behind and not watch the play and help them with the vault, but he does end up. Yeah. The play
1: so I think that's where, uh, things switch with him. And but then... yeah,
0: but like at some point, like Wednesday discovers that he was a fo- phony, like she walks in on, on them talking about the plans for the vault and she, she runs away. Yeah. And so the entire family is looking for Wednesday. But Tully and the mom and Fester, mom being um, Abigail, the, Abigail, all stay behind at the house just in case she comes back. And that's when they start going through the vault. They change the locks and they're like, oh, well, Fester is the oldest and so he has possession of the house. And they lock the Adams family completely out of the house. Yes. Yeah, so right? that's And because... so he still doesn't have his full memory back because at that point he still doesn't know how to get to the vault.
1: Yes, and then yeah. the reason why they know that is because Tully spoke to Flor and Fauna.
0: Yeah, at the party. At
1: the party, saying, well, f- now that Fester is back, he's the eldest brother, and Flor and Fauna want to like get with Fester so they can live in the house and they can be rich with Fester. Yeah, That's, they're conjoined twins, by yeah. the way. And yeah, the reason why Fester and Gordon had this 25-year split is over Flora and Fauna. And Gomez had no feelings for them, but he just like jealous
0: of all the attention Fester yeah, he got. Was, yeah. yeah, he
1: was jealous of Fester for getting their attention, so he kind of wooed them and that's cause that caused a split. <laughs> yeah. But um there's he... like no animosity after that, like when they come back from No, he's just
0: yeah, he's just confused and like totally explains like no Fester doesn't want to see you because he's really hurt about what you did. Yeah. Um, Like he's he's not over it after all and you're locked out of the house. And that leads to what I think is like the most legitimately funniest part of the movie is when they're in the motel. Right. And you have like Gomez like slobbing around and like watching daytime TV and like calling Sally Jesse Raphael. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean and then just Sally Jesse. Talk, like I don't remember watching it's like,
0: Mr. Adams please stop calling but I don't <laughs> yeah. remember
1: Sally Jesse Raphael taking live calls on her show I don't but...
0: remember watching it enough to know um, but I just
1: that was funny she just looks was. into the camera like Gomez stop calling <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> like we show.
0: don't know where they meet you know? <laughs> yeah and then you have uh Wednesday and Pugsley selling lemonade, uh, lemonade out the and you have the, the Girl Scout gag or it's like, is it made from real weapons and are other cookies made from real Girl Scouts?
1: Which, I mean, yeah, that's the same girl that's in oh. Adam's Family Values, but it's a, a different, different character, character. That one, yeah. And uh, my favorite is Thing, who becomes, like, a mail delivery guy in an office.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thing, like, okay, Thing is played by Christopher Hart, who is a magician, and all of his other roles are just... A disembodied hands. hand. So, like, it's this in the sequel. He was in Idle Hands. He was the hand in Idle Hands. He was mm-hmm. Quicksilver Highway, and also an angel. You know, he's
1: so he a very good hand. He's just, and he's yeah, he's fantastic. Acting. Like yeah. yeah,
0: he's fantastic at emoting with his fingers and doing everything. Uh, anyway, just wanted to quickly mention that. Yeah. Um, and then Morticia, she
1: tries to be like a kindergarten teacher or something like that, and reads. Scary grim stories Grins, grim fairy to like tales. four-year-olds, and they all cry. But that was like a couple of days. But that's when she gets kidnapped.
0: She well, she goes to the house to try to talk to Fester.
1: Oh yeah, and they just a- and then they her. just keep her
0: and, and torture okay. her. Okay. Yeah. And then it all.
1: But that's when whatever. Thing.
0: Finds thing, out. Thing find Thing follows her and then comes back to Gomez and, and the know, whole Morse code thing. Funny. the Morse thing thing code and funny. they go find him, and then. You, springs to action they're able to get in the house because the gate is also sentient and misses them and and lets them in and then yeah they they battle fencing whatever hurricane book lightning strikes fester in the middle of the hurricane and then you cut to seven months later and you see trick-or-treaters and um getting scared by lurch and then you see cousin it with tully's ex margaret um and everyone's a big happy family again
1: yeah, and then they reveal... Morticia reveals that she is pregnant.
0: Yes. Which I don't remember. Does that come up in the, the sequel? Is there yeah, they baby? have a baby. Okay.
1: Don't you... No, oh, oh, okay. like I said,
0: I remembered, I, I saw it, but I... Okay.
1: So, yeah, they have a, a normal baby, and that causes... That's what causes when they bring in... They need a nanny. Okay. And that's what causes it, the whole thing with Fester again falling in love with the nanny, Debbie Jelinski. Okay. You don't remember this? No. Like, I told you. I don't remember. All right. Well, we should watch it again. that's, like, the best. Yeah, we should watch it. <laughs> yeah, again, should watch it. Like, yeah. Yeah, like watch when it. she comes in and she starts to, like, take over.
0: Because we, we usually watch the movies... Um you know the prequels but we don't watch sequels like when we watched child's play three like, we did not watch any of the preview yeah i not going
1: like five you more know. movies yeah just
0: just have the full experience of the entire series we we don't always have the time for that so yeah we'll watch this at some point the only thing we haven't talked about is the song we'll get into that in a bit um let's talk about awards in cast and crew in the meantime uh we got oscar nomination for best costume design for ruth myers uh, but she lost to Bugsy. It was also BAFTA nominated for Best Makeup and Best Production Design. Golden Globe nominated for Best Actress for Comedy for Angelica Houston, but she lost to Bette Midler uh, in For the Boys. At the Saturn Awards, it was nominated for Best Special Effects, which is weird, because honestly, the special effects are some of the worst in this movie. The thing part is great, but like anything else that involves green screen, like the hurricane, or like even just the golf ball flying through the judge's window, just looked god-awful anyway best special effects uh, also uh, nominated for best performance by a younger actor for christina ricci best actor for raul julia uh and then uh best fantasy film did not win any of those at the mtv movie awards it was nominated for best kiss which i think means this is the last best kiss nominee that we finally watched uh and then
1: what i always forget who wins i think it's my girl Oh, okay. Because, I mean, I like this. This is like the kiss up the
0: arm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think My Girl won. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Movie Song no. for MC Hammer. Uh, and then at the Razzie Awards, it won the Worst Original Song for MC Hammer's uh, family groove. Um, director Barry Sonnenfeld, this is his feature debut. Uh, he got his start in the porn industry. And then he went on to do cinematography for a lot of major films, including Raising Raising Arizona, Big, Misery, uh, and also Blood Simple, where he was Spirit nominated for his cinematography there. Um, And then he went on to direct, starting with this. Uh, And then he went on to win Emmys for Pushing Daisies, and he was nominated for the Series of Unfortunate Events. Uh, He was a Daytime Emmy winner for his cinematography in an after-school special. Um, Saturn nominated for his work in Men in Black, He also has a Stinkers nomination and a Razzie win for Wild Wild West. Um, And also he's done the sequel to this. He did Adam's Family Values and also Get Shorty, Men in Black 2 and 3. So, yeah. Carolyn Thompson is one of the writers. She did Edward Scissorhands, Homeward Bound, Secret Garden, Nightmare Before Christmas, and Corpse Bride. So this is right in her wheelhouse of, like, family plus, you know, fantasy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Larry Wilson, the other writer, did Beetlejuice, Tales from the Crypt, and Little Vampire. So again, you can kind of see how that all molds into a, a good script here. Angelica Houston is Morticia. Again, pretty understated performance overall. Like you know, she doesn't go over the top with anything. She's just very—I don't know—I don't want to say monotone because that makes it sound like it's a negative, <laughs> but you know, she's very—I um, don't know—reserved. Uh, Sultry, we'll say. Uh, Oscar winner for Prizzy's Honor, nominated for Enemies, A Love Story, and The Grifters, which, you know, I think we just recently talked about how, like, it it was released wide in 1991, but it's not on our list because it was festival in 1990. Uh, Golden Globe nominations for Lonesome Dove, Family Pictures, Adam's Family Values, Crossing Guard, Iron Jawed, Angels, Emmy nominated for Lonesome Dove, Buffalo Girls, Bastard of Carolina, Mist of Babylon, Iron Jawed Angel- Angels, and Medium for a guest spot. Spirit Award winner for The Dead and the Grifters. Also nominated for 50-50. She's been in The Witches, Royal Tenenbaums, John Wick 3, and a whole bunch of other things. Raul Julia as Gomez. Emmy and Golden Globe winner for The Burning Season, The Chico Mendez Story. Golden Globe nominated for Tempest uh, and Kiss of the Spider Woman and Moon Over Parador*. Saturn Award nomination for Street Fighter, where he played uh, M. Bison. Uh, he was also in Panic and Needle Park, Sesame Street for 12 episodes, The Gumball Rally, Trading Hearts, and Tequila Sunrise. And he passed in 1994 after a battle with cancer. So they were going to do a third movie in the Adams Family series, but because he passed, they scrapped that altogether. They eventually did a directed video movie in nineteen ninety eight, called "Adam's Family Reunion," where Tim Curry played Gomez. Wait,
1: and everyone else was.
0: No, everyone was was changed except for Lurch and cousin It, an hit, I think.
1: Okay, all right. I never watched it because <laughs> I was, it was directed like...
0: video. Yeah, like who's. Because we, we I were think... like high school, college age. Right. At that point. But like, why I, think,
1: he... I didn't realize he died so soon.
0: He died young. He died, yeah. like, shortly after... Um,
1: the third one, or the M's Family Values. It was,
0: like, sh- shortly before Street Fighter came out is when he died. I think... Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. I think he died before they finished filming Street Fighter.
1: And that was his last... That was his last major role. Like, posthumously the, released.
0: The, uh, <laughs> the burning season... Which he won the Emmy and Golden Globe for. That was also a posthumous win. He had died um, around that time too. So, yeah, he was working. He was I mean, working steadily. Yeah. He loved this role. That everything that you read about it, it says he absolutely loved being recognized by children for this role. Um, Christopher Lloyd is Uncle Fester. We talked about in Suburban Commando. Dan Hedaya is Tully Alford. Emmy-nominated for a guest spot on on NYPD Blue in 1991. He was in The Whereabouts of Jenny, uh, doubles two episodes of Equal Justice, and also two episodes of Veronica Clare. I don't remember if we talked about Veronica Clare. We probably have. I'm sure it's a courtroom thing. Um, Probably. (laughs) He was also in Cheers as Mm -hmm. uh, Rita Perlman's husband, and that resulted in a spinoff called The Tortellis, uh, he was also in Blood Simple and Commando and also the dad in Clueless. Elizabeth Wilson we've seen once before in Regarding Henry as the secretary. She gets to really, you know, act up a bit more in this one. <laughs> she was, I like
1: her better in Regarding Henry. Really? I mean, I'm, I mean, She has such fine. a small role in that. I know, but I think I just
0: liked her better. <laughs> I like that she gets an opportunity to have a character here. Okay. Rather than saying, oh, you can't go in there, Henry. Um <laughs> Emmy nominated for Nutcracker, Money Madness, and Murder. That's the full title. Uh, Befton nominated for Patterns. And uh, she was also in Graduate, Nine to Five, The Birds, Catch 22, and Quiz Show. Um, we didn't talk about Granny. She was played by Judy, Judith Molina, a longtime actress who's been in Dog Day Afternoon, Radio Days, Awakenings, and Secrets of My Success. Lurch, Carol Strokian. Struck, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's like Stroikian. Stroiken? He's in 1991's Servants of Twilight. He was also in Twin Peaks, uh, Star Trek Next Generation, Witches of Eastwick, Men in Black, Gerald's Game, and Dr. Sleep. Um, What else we got? We got a couple more people. Sorry, this is a long cast, and honestly, we haven't seen most of these people before, and we're not going to again. So Margaret Alford was played by Dana Ivey. That's Tully's ex. Uh, She was in Color Purple, Easy Street, the TV show, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Sleepless in Seattle, and Adam's Family Values, where she reprises her character. She's a five-time Tony-nominated actress, two of those in 1984 alone, and she's in 2008 inductee to the American Theater Hall of Fame. So again, speaks to the pedigree of actors in this entire thing. Um, And then we have uh, Christina Ricci as Wednesday, of course, Emmy nominated for Grey's Anatomy and also Yellow Jackets, Golden Globe and Spirit nominated for Opposite of Sex, Saturn nomination for Adam's Family Values, One for casper and sleepy hollow mtv movie award nomination for best kiss for monster that's a weird choice um best performance in a show for yellow jackets that's also an mtv nomination stinker is nominated for worst supporting actress and worst fake accent in the movie 200 cigarettes and in 1991 she's also in the movie the hard way We also mentioned mermaids before but she's been in things like that darn cat buffalo 66 pecker black snake moan and uh we said the wednesday tv show so she has like a nice little mix of family friendly but mostly like darker material Uh, and then the last one is pugsley was played by jimmy workman who did not do a whole lot of acting i think we're going to get into that soon um young artist nominated for christmas in connecticut he was in black sheep as good as it gets uh, now, he basically just works in the transportation department of movies, like doing driving work, if IMDb is to believe, if that's the same Jimmy Workman, but yeah, he basically has retired from acting a couple different times. Um, he's also the brothers, uh, brother of two different actresses, um, younger brother of Chanel Grey, and then older brother of Ariel Winter. On to true crime and pop culture we go. All
1: right, I guess, well alright I'll just go into start this. with that <laughs> yeah you're ending with it and I'll start with it but this movie was released November 22nd 1991 which was a Friday and it was the same release date as The Ox and Beauty and the Beast but
0: you know Beauty and the Beast did better yeah I mean those are two like, top ten in the same t- yeah. uh, that's pretty amazing
1: so you mentioned Jimmy Workman. When I looked, when I was also looking him up, uh, I was shocked to learn that his sister was Ariel Winter. Yeah. Because he's like eighteen years older than her. Yeah. And then I also read about this family legal dispute involving Ariel Winter. So I'm. I mean this this like uh i was flabbergasted when i saw this i was like whoa okay so in august of 2013 Workman petitioned a court that he would be granted custody of his then 15 year old sister actress ariel winter stating that their other sister who's They didn't say how old she is, but she's older. Older
0: than Jimmy. Older than
1: Jimmy. So she's probably like 20 years older than Ariel Winter. Mm -hmm. Their parents
0: which makes a different Yeah, I think it's Chanel just Grey like they all name.
1: have the they're all last names are Workman. Like Ariel Winter is Ariel Winter Workman. It's yeah. like her middle name. They just show different stage names. Yeah, they have different stage ma- names which like confuse me. But I mean that's whatever. It's like Emilio Estevez and like Charlie Sheen or whatever. Right. So they they their parents were Crystal Workman, who was just a homemaker, and Glenn Workman, who was running a communications firm. It was like their mother was an unfit, quote-unquote, unfit guardian. So Gray was granted temporary guardianship of Winter in November of 2012, following the accusation, accusations that their mother, Chris, Chrissy Workman, had been physically and emotionally abusive towards Ariel Winter like i remember seeing this cuz when we were when we were watching family. modern family i remember the whole th- stuff like in tabloids about like the custody bad- battle over ariel yeah, but, I think
0: I, I think I saw like little snippets of this was happening.
1: Like I remember that. But I thought she was it. becoming like emancipated, kind of like how Drew Barrymore did. Yeah, or like Nicolai Calkin. Like... Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought it was, was a going on. Unfortunately
0: but... very common thing for child actors to experience.
1: Right. I had no idea that the boy who played Pugsley was her right. much older brother and became like her legal guardian, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, their mother became physically and emotionally abusive towards Ariel Winter. And then workman Pugsley, (laughs) I'm just going to call him Pugsley, leveled at her, lobbied the court for custody by stating that Gray allowed Winter to be publicly sexualized, exploited Winter to promote her acting school, and used the money Winter earned from Modern Family to finance lavish parties in limousines, and Workman Pugsley stated <laughs> that tore their family apart. Workman told the court that their father, Glenn, was in charge of Winter's estate, was also unfit because of his poor financial situation, which made him vulnerable and also taking Ariel Winter's money away. And in May... 2014, a settlement was reached among the parties by which Gray, the oldest sister, would retain custody of Winter, with Glenn Workman, the father, maintaining control of her finances and making required reports to the court. And yeah, it wasn't until she turned 18, which was of January 2016, where she can retain her own finances. Alright, so then I'm just gonna talk about Adam's groove. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we didn't talk about it. <laughs> we There's didn't talk a about... couple MC
0: Hammer songs in there. Like yeah, Cousin, it Cousin It Cousin comes it? to the party blasting too legit to quit. You see Lurch going down this the, the street in the town with this is how we roll or whatever. That right.
1: The... And I was like why is
0: yeah, why is this? MC happening?
1: Hammer so like <laughs> entwined
0: with this movie. Like the only modern music you hear, it's just very is out MC place. Hammer.
1: Yeah. And it was I got this from like two different articles. One was movieweb.com and then from sci fi.com. Okay. And this was like a thirtieth anniversary deal because they re released this movie with like a longer more mamushka it was a 4k yeah. ultra hd blu-ray that came out with more mamushka
0: the mamushka dance sequence was cut down significantly after test audiences said that dragged the movie down right so, that, <laughs> so <laughs> but it it's was added back in
1: released after 30 years but this was like an article that I saw on sci com where they interviewed barry sonnenfeld and The main reason why he added MC Hammer into this movie was, like, he noticed... I mean, MC Hammer was, like, very huge at the time. Mm -hmm. So he basically just wanted something modern to put into the movie. The biggest reason is because Barry uh, knew that MC Hammer had an affinity for cars... At the time, I knew Hammer was a car collector, so I parked my 1962 Lincoln Continental in front of the entrance where we were meeting M.C. Hammer. And when the meeting was over, I walked him to the elevator downstairs and I said, how many cars do you have? M.C. Hammer said, 11. And Barry said, I think it's going to be 12. And that's pretty much the reason (laughs) why... MC Hammer decided to join and do the Adams Groove song just to get a 12th car, which was the 1962 Lincoln Continental.
0: Well, look, I don't blame MC Hammer for taking that deal, right? (laughs) I blame Barry Barry Sonnenfeld and the producers for wanting that deal because, honestly, it just reeks of desperation and something that the movie did not need. Um i mean they weren't sure of that Uh, barry is like a first-time director this is a property that hasn't been popular since like the 1960s sure it has reruns on on syndicated tv or nick at night or whoever it was but like you know this is still a big risk of a movie so i understand wanting to have it in but i i can't fault mc hammer for just taking that you know
1: Right, yeah, MC Hammer just wants more cars, even yeah. though, like, it didn't he... has he... a big
0: entourage to, to feed, and that did not I work, he to become, the music? When
1: did he become bankrupt?
0: Uh, like, a few years later.
1: It was because like he, he got that decade? 12th car?
0: I don't think so. Just... I, think <laughs> he, I think he just had, like, well, such a massive, like, you know, lifestyle that he built yeah. up that it was unsustainable. Because of, like, the, the
1: popularity. Well, basically, okay, so, Adam's Groove was released... The single was released on December 9th, nineteen ninety one, and you know it came out. It was on his album "Too Legit to Quit." Had Adams Groove the LP version Adams Groove instrumental, and then "Too Le- Too Legit to Quit" as the third song on this, mm-hmm. which they like in the song they say "Too Legit" like within. They do the
0: chorus. yeah somewhere in there it's it's not like yeah
1: and then in the uh i think even in because they did a music video with you know Wednesday and Pugsley yeah i remember them doing the 2L the 2 legit sign in that music video but i mean what you already said before Adam's groove was considered a smash success Um, for some reason (laughs) in the music business and it reached gold certified status and earned MC Hammer a Grammy Award for Best Rap Solo Performance and that song peaked at number 7 on the US Billboard Hot 100 charts and it made MC Hammer's fifth and final top 10 hit in the United States so that was his final hit before he became like bankrupt I don't know
0: Here's what I'll say. We said that Nothing But Trouble uh, failed where this one succeeded in terms of, like, set design and, like, Haunted House, whatever. Yeah. Um. Nothing But Trouble gets the point on the music. Yeah. By adding Same Song from Digital Underground. <laughs> yeah, that is the best so. part
1: of the movie. And the, the worst part of this movie is this song. But yeah. they, I mean, they play it at the end. At yeah, the it's, credits not, it's not
0: like, yeah, there's little snippets of MC Hammer, like in a couple of little scenes. And yeah, then it's this not is, like this is the in end credits face. song. Where it's you could, no you like, leave if you wanted to,
1: uh, it's not like in Secret of the Ooze where he
0: appeared. Right. Yeah. Like,
1: if he appeared at the party yeah. singing
0: this, I would be angered. If this is what they danced the Mamushka to, yeah, then it would be a whole different story.
1: Yeah, and then I also read in that trivia that I sent myself that w- I don't remember if I saw this in the theater or not because I I guess they played the music video before showing the movie in oh. the movie theaters.
0: Interesting. I definitely did not see it in the theater. I saw it on uh, tape. So we'll move on to rankings and ratings. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put The Adams Family? I'm
1: going to give this a three
0: it's lower than i thought a little bit i don't know not not super controversial or anything no, on your terms it's um
1: i was it's um some par is uh, no forget it <laughs> 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 like don't tell mom the babysitter's <laughs> dead is, really is nice. the my top tier yeah <laughs> so it's not better than don't tell mom the babysitter's dead
0: yeah. <laughs> um i mean i think it is better than that, <laughs> but yeah uh, on my zero to four star scale i'm also going to say it's a 3 out of 4 uh, which i think is you know lower than what a lot of people would give it just because of the nostalgia factor you know if it's something like they've watched it a bunch of times they probably rate it higher because they have more emotionally invested into it um, but it's still a solid movie every movie is worth watching once so did you watch this again
1: yes but uh we should watch uh Adam's family values definitely
0: have to watch adam's family values first i'd say if i do want to watch this again i want to give it more than three years time (laughs) before watching it again even though like i don't know i just remembered a lot of this stuff already like i I want to give my mind more time to forget some of the gags and situations so i can enjoy it more but uh, yeah i mean it's 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 solid but if you out there want to watch The Adams Family, as of this recording in October 2023, it's available on Paramount+, Plus, Pluto TV, digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. You can listen to us on all three major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind, or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies, along with show notes and more. Next week, we are out of the Halloween realm. We're going into biography month. We're starting with the Josephine Baker story. That's only available on VHS or DVD. We'll see you then.